In a world of career uncertainty, there is one variable you have total control over, yourself. Welcome to Forever Employable Stories, where expert digital transformation consultant and successful entrepreneur Jeff Gotthelf will share conversations with unique and inspiring individuals who have taken charge of their professional lives, leveraged their expertise, built an audience, and future-proofed their careers so you can learn how to do the same. Here's your host, Jeff Gotthelf. I stumbled across Danny Thompson's Twitter account not too long ago. Immediately, I noticed that this was no ordinary software developer. Not only was he humbly sharing his learning journey online with his followers, he was giving back to them by helping them get hired in the software industry. In the meantime, he'd grown his Twitter following to 45,000 people in less than six months. I had to reach out and chat with Danny to hear his story, and I wasn't disappointed. Following an existential moment when he turned 30, he decided to take control of his life and move away from frying chicken in a gas station to building a career in software development. Improving himself and the life of his family wasn't enough for Danny, though. He started giving back to his community in person, locally, and globally online. His selflessness has led others to follow in his path, and his impact can already be felt across the industry. In this episode, Danny and I chat about what sparked the big shift in his life, how that process progressed, and what he's focused on today. Along the way, he shares his insight about getting hired in tech, why meetups are so powerful for building a platform, and how social media can still be used as a source of inspiration, learning, and camaraderie. Check it out. Hey, folks. Welcome back to another Forever Employable Story. I'm really, really excited for this episode as I get to speak with software developer and community leader, Danny Thompson, all the way from... Memphis, Tennessee, which is a place I've never been, but I've heard amazing things about. Danny, so thanks so much for uh, joining us today on Forever Blood Stories. Thank you for having me, Jeff. You know, I genuinely appreciate this. I'm excited to be here, and I can't believe that I'm getting to talk to you, so I'm kind of elated about that. Amazing. Well, the feeling's mutual. Listen, one of the things, and we were talking about this before I hit record, is I've been doing a few of these Forever Employable Stories looking for people who are building a platform around their core competency or their core discipline, the thing that, like you're a software developer, right? And one of the things I discovered you on Twitter a few months ago, and I've been following and paying attention. And as I've been doing that, I've noticed time and time again, in many ways, you embodying a lot of the ideas and the tactics that I talk about in Forever Employable creating this much more than just kind of a software development resume around yourself, but like you said, a community around yourself as well. And we're going to get into the details of why and how you're doing that. And I'm super excited to hear your story. But let's start first. Give us like kind of the, the summary of how you got into software development in the first place, kind of what happened before that, because I think that's super interesting and what made you shift into tech and kind of where you are today. Just a bit of a history. Sure. So for those that don't know, I'm Danny Thompson. And my background is I worked in gas stations for over 10 years. And I was a professional chicken fryer. You know, I could fry chicken with the best of them. And that's what I did. And that's pretty much where I thought I was going to live the rest of my days doing. And I was at the age of 30 where I was found myself at a fork in the road. And I said, okay, if I go right, I'm going to work in this gas station until the day I die, or I can go left and I will change whatever I'm doing, but it has to be now. 
Now is a very important time for me. My son was growing at that age. I realized I wouldn't have the luxuries I have now to try and change something. So it needs to be now. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. And mm-hmm. at that time, I was working like 80-hour weeks. My wife was extremely supportive of what we were doing. But it, of course, it was tough. And I was making just enough money to be broke. I was making <laughs> just enough money to look at my paycheck and just be disappointed with what I was doing. And I was working 80 hours a week and I still said, man, I need to pick up a second job or a third job or a fourth job. It was that bad. So it was at this time where I saw an interview. A rapper was giving an interview. He invested several million dollars into a tech company and he was asked why. And he said, well, I'm learning how to code. Now this blew my mind because I never knew someone from my background, from my neighborhood could ever learn something like learning how to code. My preconceived notion was, Tech was for the rocket scientists and the PhDs of the world. No average individual works in this field. (laughs) So, of course, he's learning how to code. And the reasoning was profound. They said, well, you know, you're learning how to code. You're not going to become a developer or something like that. So why are you learning how to code? Why wouldn't you want to know how the amazing machine that you touch 90% out of your day operate? Like, why is the limit of our understanding opening up YouTube.com on Google Chrome or Internet Explorer and watching cat videos? Like, why don't we know what's happening in the background? Like, why don't I understand why this laptop costs $2,200 or this smartphone costs $1,500? What is RAM? What is Snapdragon? It's all buzzwords until you put something behind it. So he starts learning how to code and so do I. And I get on the internet and I find freecodecamp.org and I start learning how to code and I get on there. And after a little while, I find out about something called meetups. And a meetup is a place where a bunch of developers, they just get together, they talk tech, talk shop, and there are varying levels. So you can obviously get some level of like help or maybe some questions answered, but it's really just the community of developers there. So I find out about the first meetup that I ever go to. And at this time, I just know like HTML, CSS, and I created a very simple application where you enter the URL of an image and it returns that image with like some coloring on top. It's like a really, really bad filter, right? Uh-huh. But it's pretty safe to say at this point in my life, I could cure cancer with code. I'm that good, all right? Like, I was terrible. But I walk in this meetup and I instantly realize, oh, I don't know anything. Like, I don't know anything. And then I quickly realized, like, all these people are saying, like, foreign languages to me. They're talking about, like, Java and C Sharp and SQL. And it's like, it doesn't make sense. Like, but now I'm hooked. I've just been introduced to this brand new breadth of knowledge that I didn't know existed. And I realized also in that moment that I am being excluded from the conversation. How so? Basically because of a lack of knowledge. I didn't know anything. I just knew Mm. HTML, CSS. I didn't even know Java. I didn't know none of that. So I said, I will never be excluded again. So I went home and I started learning about JavaScript. Then I started learning about ES6 functions. And I go to that next meetup saying, well, do you know about this in ES6 functions? Do you know how to do arrow functions? Then I go home, I start learning more and more and more and more. And I start learning about SQL. And I start learning about SQL tables. And I go to that next meetup and I'm like, well, do you know how to do a SQL query? Do you know how to do this in SQL? Then I start going home more and more and more. And I start learning about Java. And I go to that next meetup. Well, do you know about Spring Framework? Do you know how you do this? And now I'm included in this phenomenal community of developers that are just there to talk about tech and help each other grow. And now I'm in this. I'm included. I've I've brought myself to the team. 
And it was the best thing that ever happened because it totally changed my trajectory as where I was going because it showed me what was possible and what was not possible. And then I did the one thing that every beginner does when they go to a meetup and they ask, how do I get that first job in tech? How do I get that first opportunity? And I heard the exact same answer over and over and over like a broken record. It was almost like they recorded it and just pressed play whenever somebody asked this question. And they were like, oh, man, that first job, woo, that's the hardest one. But if you get the first one, everything after that will become easy to get later on. To someone like me, that was the worst thing you could ever say to me. Because yeah. not only did you demotivate and demoralize me, you've given me zero action items to work on. You haven't even told me something practical that I can do to increase my odds. And I quickly realized in that same moment that everyone else was asking this exact same question, getting this exact same answer back. And so I, I figured out, like, I need to figure out how to address this. So I immediately started the LinkedIn profile. Mind you, I'm still working in gas stations. They used to call me Popeyes because I'd walk in a meetup. Everybody would start craving chicken because I smelled like it, right? I've been cooking it all day. So I walk into this meetup smelling like chicken. And I'm working in the gas station. I start this LinkedIn profile. And I just start cold calling and cold messaging hiring managers and business decision makers and recruiters and managers. In the beginning, they're like, who is this guy? Why is he messaging me? And that's like, oh, I knew Danny from the beginning. But it was just <laughs> that getting out there, I created an entire hiring network. And we went from, I helped the first person get their first job in tech. And I realized that if I can show someone that is trying to learn tech in a different light, that they're passionate, they're going out of their way, they're part of a community, they're helping others that a hiring manager may be more inclined to return their phone call and ask to meet with them. And mm. I'm not a big application guy. I don't like filling out tons and tons of applications. I'd rather leverage my network. So by doing this, I've now helped them basically get to interview number one without filling out an application. We create this profile for them that is so robust that it just draws attention and interest. So mm. I helped that first person get that job in tech and they were crying. They were so happy, right? And I realized in that moment, nothing mattered to him more than getting that job in tech, but also making their dream come to life, making exactly what they've been striving for for a year, two years, actually come to life in their hands. It's tangible. Nothing in life mattered more to him than getting that opportunity. And nothing mattered more to me than sharing that moment with him, sharing that joy, sharing that happiness. And I went from helping one person to helping 10 people from 10 to 20, from 20 to 40. And now we're at almost 70 people that have helped land the first jobs in tech. And I don't monetize this. I'm not making money from, I just really enjoy it. Something kind of clicked in me not too long ago. I was obsessed with the idea of always like, I need to make more money. I need to be more successful. I need to reach new levels. And then I realized I'm no longer concerned with trying to become a rich man on my deathbed. What I am concerned with is the impact that I'm going to try and create within that time period and make sure I hit the things that I'm aiming for. And I think this is a really long response to, hey, how you doing, by the way? But, you know, I'm just making <laughs> well, sure we <laughs> cover the base. Well, it was, hey, how you doing? Tell me your story, which I think you did a great job. <laughs> and look, that's amazing. And the impact that you're having is, and now, look, and we're going to talk about how tech can make that impact exponential over time. Just a couple of clarifying questions. So just really quick, from freecodecamp.org until your first gig, your first tech gig, how long did that take? Like time-wise, how much time passed? So I hate answering this question. I will answer, but I hate answering, and I'll tell you why. 
especially for beginners, when they hear people's timetable, they're like, oh man, it took him six months and I'm at month seven, so I'm just a complete failure. Or it took him a year and a half and I'm at a year and eight months, so I might as well just quit. I always say it doesn't matter how long it takes you to reach your destination as long as you get there and you keep going for what you want. And a great example I'll give of that is I work with a phenomenal developer. It took him six years to actually land his first job in tech. It took me eight months to answer your question. Mm-hmm. Both of our titles are developers. His title isn't took six years to become a developer developer. It's software developer. Right. So our pay is the same. Our perks are the same. So it doesn't matter how long it takes you to reach your destination as long as you keep striving for that goal. I don't care if it takes you forever. I don't care if it takes you a day. Just reach that point. So I hope no one no, gets okay. persuaded by the timetable, but it took me eight months. You know, the reason I ask is because I want, you know, in my experience, achieving these sort of career transformations, right? And it takes time, and it takes consistency, and it takes perseverance. People usually err on the other side and they'll say, well, I should be able to take a boot camp in 12 weeks and get a job, right? And it's like, well, no, right? That's not what you should expect. You should expect six, eight, 12, 18, 24 months of hard work to make the transition to whatever is the next thing for you. If you can get it done in eight months, congratulations, well done. But it might take you four, five, six years to get there as well. And it's that perseverance that gets there. So let me ask you another question because this is related to this as well. So you're still working at the gas station, 80 hours a week, right? You've got a child, you're married. When are you doing this, man? Like when is this stuff happening? The teaching yourself the code and kind of making, starting to build this foundation for your transition into tech. I'll answer that. I just want to make one point because you said something that I find amazing that software boot camps always advertise things like become a developer in 90 days or, right. or, or you know, three months. And I think that's insane. Here's a great example. You know that show 90 Day Fiance? They can't find the fiance in 90 days. How are they going to find a brand new career that pays them all this in 90 days? Like it's impractical. But I think that's just a way to get people in the door. It, I'm not going to say it's impossible. I'm sure there's some people that have done it. But don't be shocked if it takes you a little bit longer. As far as finding the time to learn, honestly, it was tough. It was really, really tough. And what I started doing was I would study as soon as I got home from work. You know, I'd be exhausted. But I realized my brain wasn't really retaining. It was exhausted from the day. I've done all this manual labor. Like, my brain is done, right? And I was, like, doing the same thing over and over and over and still wasn't retaining. It was taking forever. So finally, one day I said, you know what? I'm going to try something. And I started waking up at 2.30 in the morning every day. And I started learning. And what I realized is my brain is rested. It's fresh. And it was absorbing everything. You're fresh at 2.30 in the morning. Compared to going through, you know, a 14, 15 hour day. Okay. I had no other option. And I tell people this all the time. It's like, I didn't wake up at 2.30 because I thought this was cool. I literally didn't have any other choice. It's not like I could be like, okay, three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to study. I was, I was working. I was, there was no option at that time. So I started waking up at 2.30 in the morning, started studying and I'd study until I have to go to work in a couple hours there. And then I would, throughout the whole day, I would be revising in my head everything that I learned. And what I started doing to really test myself is when I'd be on break, I would literally write code on my phone, just in a notepad, no editor or anything like that. And I would go try it just to see like, is this going to work? Is this going to fail? Like, is this going to do something just to see if I know my concepts? And it went from, you know, the most basic things to start elevating slightly, slightly, slightly. And I don't care what craft it is that you do. Once you start putting 
an obscene amount of hours into it, you're going to get better at it. You may not become like a concert pianist, but you can definitely become a piano player. If you put enough hours in there, you can do a couple songs. Same thing with development. You can start writing some code and eventually you're going to get better. You may not work at Google, but you could definitely work at Harry's insurance company down the street, right? So you'll get those basics and you keep growing after that. And that's exactly what I started doing. And I started doing that with JavaScript. And then from JavaScript, I started doing with Python. And I spent a lot of time learning Python. And I realized, oh, there's no Python jobs in Memphis. Like there's just none. And so I dropped Python and I started picking up Java. And that's where the opportunity started coming. And it was fantastic for me. And I'm full second developer because of that. And I'm very happy with where I am. So what I love about this is that this is another thing that I think a lot of folks need to realize is that if you're going to start to transition into the next thing or to build any kind of either a new expertise or a new platform around you, well, you're already busy, right? Everyone's busy. Everyone either has, you know, they've got work, they've got family, they've got commitments, they've got all these things they do. Finding the time for the stuff, fitting the stuff in the cracks is a key, I would say trick, but it's not a trick. It's one of the main ways that you start to build up the momentum for a transition into the next thing, which I, I hear you saying is exactly what you were doing. It's what I did as well as I was transitioning sort of out of full-time employment into consulting, ultimately and doing some writing. Everything was happening in the cracks. I was writing, I was commuting to New York City on the bus, you know, to and from 45 minutes. I can write something 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back. You fit it in and then you get it done. It goes to a point that I talk about a lot. If you make something a priority, you will find a way to achieve that thing. When you have something that you're thinking about all the time, like that's why I don't really believe, and I, I get heat for this time to time again, I don't really believe in procrastination. It's just, it's not important to you. If something is a priority, you will achieve it no matter what. Like there are days where I'm like, man, I really don't want to be at work right now. I don't want to work today. And I'm still here because it's a priority. I have to do this thing. Once I realized that there was a way for me in tech, nothing in the universe could have stopped me. This was happening, whether anyone believed it or not. Because I remember when I would tell people like, hey, man, I'm thinking about going into tech. They're like, oh, this isn't for people like us. I tell my coworkers this at the gas station. This isn't for people like us. That's for smart people. You're right. It isn't for us, but this is for me. This is going to happen whether you believe it or not. This is my priority. Once I made tech a priority, nothing could stop it at that point. I'm getting up at 2.30 whether I want to or not because I have to make this happen. I'm going to learn this concept because I have to make this happen. I need to learn this because I'm going to give myself a better life, whether someone wants to give it to me or not. There's 7 billion people on this planet. I'm going to make one of them fall in love with me and give me a job. Yeah. Simple as that. If it's a priority, you'll no, make it happen. You go through these forever employable stories that are on the blog or in the book. The impetus for that prioritization seemingly is always the same, right? I've got to take care of my family. I've, I need a better life. I need to future-proof my career. I need to prove something to myself around my capabilities and my skills. And so the specifics are different, but the theme repeats itself over and over again. This was critical for you. You wanted to create a better life for yourself, so you prioritized it. And when I hear people, and it's, it's frustrating for me sometimes because there are folks that I've known for years who have asked me, well, how did you get started writing books? How did you get started doing that? I said, well, like you just said, I prioritized it. It was important to me. And I know those folks have the skill and I know they've got the expertise to do the same thing, but they don't prioritize it. So they never do it. I love that. I love that. And I'll tell you why. I talk about this all the time. You have to have your reason for being, your reason for why. 
And if you haven't figured out what your driving force is, you need to have a very honest conversation with yourself. Put away all electronics, put away everything, lock yourself in a room, turn out the light, don't fall asleep, like sit up. I guarantee you, your mind is going to wander somewhere. And then ask yourself the questions that you don't want to answer. Why am I wanting to do? Why am I even thinking about this? Everyone thinks this is crazy. Should I even be doing this? Ask yourself these questions. If you don't have a strong reason for wanting to do something, it's hard because, oh, I want to become a developer because the paycheck is nice. You can get a paycheck from anywhere. You get a paycheck from McDonald's. You can literally get a paycheck from anywhere. That's not a reason. But is the reason I want to improve my living conditions. Now, that's a reason. I want to take care of my wife and my son. That's a reason. I want to get a house for my mother and my father. That's a reason. I want to change the circumstances to which my life revolves around. I want to stop riding the bus and get in a car. I want to own something. I want to dictate my terms. Now, that is a reason that I can get behind, and that will be a reason that gets you out of sleep. I always talk about this, like you need to make your goals so big that you get excited by them. And I'm a big believer in you can cap your success. If you cap your success, you will hit that cap. Meaning, I'm a big believer in if you say, I want to become a software developer, you will absolutely become a junior software developer. Like if your goal is to become an entry developer, you will absolutely hit that without a shadow of a doubt. But you won't go past that. My goal is never to be an entry developer or a junior developer. My goal is to be the best developer that I could be. I want to be the most valuable developer that I can be. And in doing so, of course, junior and entry are going to come. They're natural stepping stones. I can't be the best without getting the entry position. What happens is people hit the entry, they get that first taste of what they really wanted, then they quit. They're satisfied. They're no longer hungry. They lost that passion for what they're looking for. And then what happens in six months when they're fired, they can't believe what happened. I knew I was going to become an entry developer. I was promoted within less than three months of getting that position because I showed the value of what I bring to the table. And I'm about to be promoted again because I know what I'm bringing to the table. If you bring value, they will bring a checkbook. It's as simple as that. No company in the history of the world has turned down an opportunity to make money when you show them actual value. So stop capping your success. Make sure you have your driving force and you will achieve exactly what you want. I love it. If you bring value, they'll bring the checkbook. I love it. (laughs) That's amazing. All right, man, let's do a little pivot here because this is really interesting to me now. Okay, so pivot point in your life, 30 years old, you decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to change my life. Eight months later, you get your first gig, you're doing great, but you don't stop there. You're becoming the best developer you can, but you start to build a platform around yourself. You start to share your knowledge. You start to tweet. You start to write. You start to make YouTube videos. You start to put on, to put together in-person groups, virtual groups. Why? It's a lot of work, man. You got a lot going on as it is, 100%. right? Yeah. 100%. Why, why do that? So I'm a big believer in if I walk in a room, I need to make an impact. Simple as that. I need mm-hmm. to make sure that when I walk out, someone knows my name. And it's because you never know where one conversation can take you. I can't tell you, I'm literally working on a deal right now with a local government that is an hour away from me. And it is because I had one conversation with one stranger at one event in December And that conversation lived on for six months that in June, they contacted me because of that conversation. You never know where one conversation will take you. And for me, I was anti-social media for the longest. The only thing I had was a LinkedIn profile. Well, Twitter only started in March. It's only been what, five months? Five months, six Uh, months? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely grown a lot. Well, you know, I talk a lot about how to grow on Twitter and I give a lot of advice on that. But for me, I was only on LinkedIn because I said, this is where the opportunities are to help people grow. I didn't care about the rest. It wasn't until someone showed me that there's all these tech professionals on Twitter discussing ideas and things like that, that I was like, oh, I'm really 
gravitating towards this. And then I realized like I can be my true self on Twitter, talk about the things that I think about all the time. And what I ended up doing with Twitter is, and I approach Twitter completely different than others. I don't make tweets for people. I've created this fictitious being in my head that I'm having a one-way conversation with, that my goal is to help them along their path. And kind of, it's really, I'm talking to myself where I was in that learning journey where I was at a beginning. Your younger self, yeah, and yeah. Pretty much. And I'm giving myself the advice that I was looking for that I didn't know about and that I was hoping someone at a higher level would tell me. And people gravitate towards it and I'm glad they enjoy it. Sometimes I get it wrong and that's completely fine. I'm human, I make mistakes. But when I get it wrong, that's great. It wasn't really meant for you either. I'm talking to this fictitious being. If you like it, I'm glad that you're enjoying it and you're along for the ride. And if you don't like it, you don't have to necessarily show favoritism to that. But I always say you're the boss, you're the CEO of your feed. You can hire and fire accordingly. If you don't like something, get rid of it and keep that negativity away from you. Keep your mental health and your mind exactly where you want them. So if your goal is, I want to become a writer on this XYZ subject, surround your feed with writers of that subject and you will get ideas, you'll get inspiration, you'll figure out some things. I'm not saying plagiarize, don't do that, but get inspired and you can actually utilize the inspiration of whatever you're doing. So that is exactly what I do with Twitter. And the reason for that, and I talk about this all the time, Twitter is great for like random instances of great opportunities, but LinkedIn is really where the money is and where companies are. And so I use LinkedIn for helping people get jobs because obviously that's where it is, but Twitter is fantastic for opportunities. And that's the reason why my platform has grown so much as of now. A lot of folks ask me, especially after they've read the book, they say, well, okay, what do I write about? What should I talk about? And one of the things that I do, my background is design and user experience and design. And so I always kind of fall back to that training. I say, great, well, who's your target audience, right? Who's your persona? Who's your reader persona? And having a reader persona be your younger self is such a brilliant theme to kind of thread through a social media presence but I absolutely love it. As you were talking about it, I was like, this big smile just got kind of turned up on my face. That's so smart because what you're saying is you're kind of giving your younger self advice about how to succeed and how to move forward. Inevitably, some of the people that follow you are in the same position as your younger self, right? And they're going to benefit from that. And so speaking of benefit, let me ask, so what is the benefit of building that platform? So six months on Twitter, you're doing great. Obviously, LinkedIn is very successful for you. YouTube videos, right? What are the benefits that you have seen from building out that platform? The biggest benefit has been the ability to help people outside of Memphis. Because before my limitations were, this is Memphis, these are the people in my community, these are the only people that I could possibly help. Now I get messages daily where people are telling me, I finally got that job because you gave me these great interview tips, or I finally got that job because you helped me pinpoint the area that I needed to be in. Or for example, I released a LinkedIn course on YouTube. That LinkedIn course, I just released it and it's completely free. You know, I don't want to monetize this thing. But that LinkedIn course alone, I've literally in one week, I'm getting screenshots of people saying my views have increased by 750%. In one week, I've been contacted by 18 employers. And what kills me about this is this literally proves to me what I know. These developers have the qualifications. These developers know exactly what they need to do the job, but they can't stop opportunity from literally walking right by them. Like, think about that for a second. Opportunity is in front of your nose, walking by, 
and you don't have an ability to stop it. So now my goal is to basically put your hand right in front of it to stop it right in front of you and produce that situation where you can actually get that job that you're qualified for. And it's working. And I mean, this is a very short turnaround time. Mind you, I released that course like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and people have already gotten jobs out of it. So that to me is a huge thing. But the other thing is, especially with Twitter, the reason why I'm on Twitter so much, I realize there are many people that start learning how to program every single day. I don't care what you know, how beginner of a level that you think you are. Someone starts learning HTML every single day of the week. You know something now that someone else doesn't know. So it is a perfect opportunity for you to share whatever knowledge you have at this current time to help someone that may be struggling. Don't you know people look for the most simplest things on the internet every single day? So why wouldn't you want to share your gift with the world? You know something that you can help literally one person anywhere. And now it's gone from I'm helping people in Memphis, Tennessee, to where I'm helping people in Lagos, Nigeria. I'm helping people in India. I'm helping people in Sydney, Australia. I'm helping people in Russia. Like your reach goes global at that point. And it doesn't matter if one person reads it or 10,000 people read it. That impact is the same. You're affecting one life positively. Why would you want to turn down that opportunity? It doesn't matter if you become an influencer or whatever they call these positions now. What matters is that you're conveying a message that actually affects a life. And you can do that positively or you can do that negatively. It's up to you. Sure, sure. I'm going to just double down on one of the ideas that you just said. I mean, everything's worth doubling down, but I'm going to highlight one thing. It's, again, one of the biggest obstacles for folks is, what do I know? What am I an expert at? What could I possibly share? And to your point, there's always, always, always an audience for 101 level content, entry level content. Somebody is starting today and you can help them out. It doesn't even matter if it's 101 content. Like there are geniuses that follow geniuses. There are people that I know that work at like Microsoft and Google and these amazing companies that are following developers for inspiration that work at lower level companies. It doesn't matter what you're bringing to the table. The only thing that really matters is you stay very true to your real self. Do not create this fictitious item that doesn't exist. And I'll tell you Mm -hmm. why. A lot of people try to portray something that they're not online and eventually it becomes not you, but it becomes a task or it's impossible to keep creating content on this idea that you aren't. Like you're trying to embody something that you are not. So what happens with these people is they end up falling apart with a couple months down the road and they lose everything. Be you because I know that you're amazing. You know that you're amazing. Now it is up to you to convey that through a tweet, through a post, and you have to keep that consistency because consistent action produces consistent results. Once you stop and break that, that is when everything falls apart. So you can't go like, hey, I'm a developer today, but tomorrow I'm a painter. You got to keep things flowing the right way. And if you do that, you'll grow. Amazing. All right, man. Last question. And I'm super curious about this one. So we're living in strange times. The pandemic has radically changed the world. You know, no telling when we go back to normal or what the new normal will ultimately end up being. How has the, the pandemic impacted your work and your career positively, negatively, neutrally? What kind of impact have you seen from the way that we're sort of engaging and working now? I mean, for my career in particular, you know, I've gotten a raise during this pandemic. My job growth is growing, so it's not hurting me. But I will say it's definitely hurting the community somewhat because it is harder for 
someone to get an entry-level position now because 30 million Americans lost their jobs in this pandemic, right? So you have senior developers that are desperate for work to the point to where they're applying for lower-level positions just to get a paycheck on the table. So just keeping that in mind, I'm not going to say it's impossible to land something. It's absolutely not impossible. Just last, what, two weeks ago, I helped one person land a job. But I am going to say that it's definitely not as easy as it was before. With that also being said, because of this pandemic, it's almost been a blessing in disguise to certain areas. Because before this, I don't know if you and I would be having this conversation the way we are right now. I can honestly tell you, last month, I've spoke at 14 different events. I don't know if I would have been able to pull that off unless it was for this, because before this, no one utilized Zoom the way we're utilizing it now. That wasn't a thing. Not even just Zoom, but any online event, because I was doing events before and I did one event with a speaker from Brazil and we did a video conference call and that was so hard to actually pull off and people were not as interested in it because it's like, oh, it's a foreign speaker. They're not there. They can't answer questions one-on-one. We did a great job. This was in January, I believe, or December, before COVID was a thing. Yeah. So at that timetable, it was hard to pull this off. Now, I just had an event where we had 500 people from all over the world pop in, where we had speakers from Google and et cetera, et cetera. So people from there were never coming to Memphis before. Like I wasn't getting them here to speak at events, but now it's opened up the playing field completely. And I totally see this being different now in the future. Like, I don't foresee myself doing an in-person event before 2021 anytime soon. Like, that's definitely not on the table. But yeah. I mean, this makes it so much easier to plan things. Logistically, I, I did a conference. I did the first tech conference that Memphis ever had. And I remember I approached like 20 people. This was like at the beginning of the pandemic. I approached like 20 people like, hey, I really have this goal. I've always had this goal. I want to give a tech conference in Memphis. I want to do it big. And they were all like, no, there's no way it's going to fail. It's not going to do good. It's going to fall apart. Like, this isn't going to happen. I was gutted. Like, these are people that are experts in this area of organizing these events. And they're all telling me, like, this is not going to happen. I was gutted. It was like two, almost three weeks later, one person finally came back and was like, you know what? If you really want to do this, if you really want to do it, I'll go ahead and I'll donate my time to this thing. And I just looked at them. I said, oh, did you guys think I wasn't going to do this? You think this, this was going to stop? No, no, no. I've already got the speakers planned out. I've got the software for it. I've got the tickets already sold. Like, this is done. And we ended up having over 3,000 people attend the conference. And mm-hmm. it was all virtual. And the one thing I realized after I was gutted and was like hurt and was thinking like, man, this isn't going to happen. I said, oh, I don't have to worry about the logistics of getting people here. I don't have to worry about people having to travel to Memphis for this anymore. I'm going to put this entire thing online. And we'll just get people to come. And we had 3,000 people show up. So even if someone is like, you know, doubting what you can do, or for example, like the logistics of a pandemic make things a little bit more difficult, it is absolutely feasible and possible to make whatever you want to happen, happen. And that's your entrepreneurial spirit shining through there in that dedication. And that's amazing. Amazing to hear. Danny, really, thank you so much for sharing your amazing story. I'm super motivated and energized by it. And I, I feel like There's a thousand more things I should be doing right now. So thank you for inspiring me as well. I appreciate you taking the time and I look forward to observing your success continue to grow. Thank you. And I'm very grateful for you having me here. And I hope that there are a few people that watch this that will end up becoming forever employable. Like the opportunity is there and I hope they take advantage of it. Me too, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey, it's Jeff. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of Forever Employable Stories. If you enjoyed the show and learned something new, tell a friend. 
The best way you can help us grow is to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and send this episode to someone you think can benefit from it. As always, feel free to reach out and connect on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Do you know someone who has a great forever employable story? Someone who has built a platform and an audience using their unique skills and experience? If so, I want to talk to them. Send me a note at jeff at gothealth.co and let me know.